copy of God's Word or find an app on a Bible or, or on your phone or get the Pew Bible in front of you and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And today we're going to, to finish. We have been going through for a few weeks now. Um, Luke chapter 15, what uh, is often called God's lost and found chapter of the Bible. And so we have um, seen stories of all kinds of lost things that have been recovered. The theme throughout the chapter has been the joy of God in receiving repentant people. The joy of God in receiving repentant people. And we've seen this over and over again as we look through the chapter. We've seen Jesus give the illustration of a a shepherd who had lost one of his sheep. And so he uh, sets out and he seeks the sheep and he finds the sheep and he has great joy over finding the sheep and he comes back and he celebrates with others over this uh, sheep that has been found. And, and so a little test in that illustration, um, who, who represents the sheep? Us. That's right. Okay, we're one for one. We're doing good. Um, you've got an A so far. All right. Who represents the shepherd? Jesus, God the Father, right? And there's celebration. There's much celebration over the wandering sheep that has been found and been brought back, has been rescued, has been saved. Then Jesus gives an illustration of a, of a woman who has lost um, one out of her ten coins. And uh, if you remember, we, when we went through this message, I tried to emphasize to you that it wasn't like pocket change that was lost. It was the fact that the coin was most likely part of a headband, part of a, a dowry that had possibly been given to her by her father. It was something of great value. It was worth more than the face value that you would attribute to it. And so in that story, the, the woman cannot, she's lost her coin and she sets out and she lights a light and she sweeps the entire house. And when she finds it, she rejoices greatly and, and throws a celebration. And so in that story, who's the coin? We are. Okay, who is the lady searching? It's God the Father. He's searching for us. He sends Christ for us. And then last week, which was Easter, we did kind of an unconventional uh, Easter message because we were here, and I thought that it would uh, fit. And we talked about the story of what's often called the the prodigal son. I, I like to think of it as the son who returns. The son who returns. And so in that story, one of the greatest stories um, ever written... We see that the son, he comes to the father and he has this astonishing request. He says, give me my inheritance right now. Basically, I wish you were dead. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm ready to go now. And the father gives him the inheritance and the boy sets off and he lives very wildly. Um, spendthrift is an old word. Um, that's the, the same kind of word that, that the prodigal means. Um, and so he goes to a faraway land and he wastes all of his money. He goes through it very quickly and 
He's all of a sudden in need. Things go from bad to worse because the economy bottoms out because there's a famine. And so here's a, a Jewish boy that grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a well-to-do family, as far as we can tell. His father had lots of servants and, and, and resources. And, and so this boy now is um, hiring himself out to a, to a Gentile who's having him feed pigs. And he's so hungry that he says that he's even looking at the pods that he's feeding the pigs and wishing that he could eat those. He's gotten so hungry and has so little that now he's considering eating the pig food, right? Um, that's, that's extreme, isn't it? And so he begins to think to himself, my father, if he would just let me back as a servant, I'll go and I'll repent and I'll tell him how sorry I am. And he does. He goes back to the father, and the father receives him. The father runs out after him. He loves him. He receives him. He restores him. He says, get a fine robe. Get the, the ring that shows that he's my son, not a slave. Get the sandals for his feet. And then he says, we're going to throw a party. He says, get the fatted calf. And I really wish, I, I, I thought, you know, I, I tried to think this week some way to, to try to relate in our culture, in our day, what this fatted calf would be like. Because it's a big deal. It's going to come back in the story that we look at today. It's, it's a big deal. And, and I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a drinker, but like some people will save wines for fe- special occasions, right? Like that's the only thing that I could think of. Something that you're saving for a feast um, because we don't, I, I mean, we don't really save stuff in our refrigerator that long or it grows mustaches and begins to talk to us. Um, so it's kind of hard to relate how big of a deal this was, but it was a, a big deal. The father threw a grand celebration for this son. He throws this grand celebration for him. And and that's where we left off last week with this amazing party that's happening, the the reception of the Son, the the picture of a repentant sinner who God will receive and takes joy in receiving. And we left on a high note, didn't we? But there's more to the story. There's more to the story Today, I want us to look at the other son, at the lost brother. Jesus concludes with his story very intentionally. In fact, you know, we we like the first part of the story. I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon preached just on the second part of the story. And there's a reason It, it, it hits pretty close to home for church people. Jesus tells this story. The reason why he didn't end with the prodigal son returning and being restored is because throughout all of Luke 15, he's got different audiences that he is teaching, different people in mind, uh, and different reactions to the stories that would happen. If you remember and you think through it, all three of the stories that we've seen so far, there has been one that has wandered, one that needed salvation, one that is lost, one that has made a wreck of himself. There is a genuine saving. The shepherd 
finds the sheep. The woman finds the coin. The boy finds his way home. There's great celebration and joy. But Jesus also has a rebuke in all of these stories. And each one of these lessons is contained a rebuke talking about how God receives those who repent. Those who with a genuine heart come to Him. God will receive them. And the reason why he levels this charge and what the whole fourth story, the story of the lost son is about, is prompted by what Jesus said, by what is said in Luke 15 verses 1 and 2. In Luke 15 verses 1 and 2, all of these stories come together because it says now the tax collectors and the sinners, those who were the outcasts, those who were the sinners, those who were not the religious people, were drawing near to him, that is Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people, are grumbling, saying, this man eats with sinners. He receives them. He he doesn't shoo them away. He doesn't want nothing to do with them. He receives them. And this was a, 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 an accusation, a hard accusation against Jesus. Basically, they're saying, he's not a good person because look at the company that he keeps. And Jesus tells all of these stories to show that the tax collectors, the sinners, the, those who they are shunning are coming to him, not in their sin, but changing They're coming to Him, receiving Him, realizing their need for repentance and acceptance by God. And it's the very picture of what Jesus has come to do, that Jesus has come to save and receive all who would trust and believe in Him. If you look back at chapter 14, this is a good verse for us to think about before we look at this next story. Chapter 14, the the last verse... Well, it's 34, the second to last verse. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? The answer is, it can't. It is of no use, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It doesn't do what salt is supposed to do anymore. It's bad salt. It's not that tricky of a phrase. I've heard some, I've heard some crazy explanations of that, but it's, it's really not that tricky of a phrase. The important part is what Jesus says. He says, it's thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. The implication is, before Jesus begins to tell these four stories in Luke chapter 15, he has already explained and said, Luke has brought to the point for us to understand what Jesus has said in relation to these four stories that will come. Be careful to what you hear. Act on it. Repent. Believe. Trust what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Do it. Because if you don't, you are like the salt that's lost its saltiness. Your, your, your fake repentance, your conviction for a moment is of no good. That's a pretty strong warning, isn't it? I think it's important for us to hear that warning and to think about it before we look at this this story, this last story here in Luke chapter 15. As we study this passage today, we're going to see that the older brother, he's involved 
with the Father. He's around the things of the Father, but he has no real relationship with the Father. He might be in the Father's house, but he's the one that's lost. He's the one in his heart who's in a far country. And as we look at this passage today, I want you to listen carefully because this message, this passage that Jesus gives, what, this story I think is, is for two types of people. First is for those people who are lost in their sin and they need to be saved. You might be religious. You might be a church member. You might have spent your whole life in church. You might be here every time the door is open. You might be a good moral person. Everybody who looks at you thinks you've got your act together, but in your heart you know you have not trusted in the Lord. That's a warning here in this message. And second... It's for those of us who are saved, those who would have the spirit of the older brother, those who are upset that God would be blessing, calling, and saving others who you don't approve of. People who don't like it when the prodigal sons come home. People who always have something to say. People who refuse to rejoice over what God is doing because God didn't do it their way, the way they expected into to the people who they wanted to. And if we're honest... We all have a little bit of this brother in us, don't we? Look with me. Let's read the text, and then we'll, we'll, we'll look at it together in more detail. Luke chapter 15. We begin in verse 25. Now, the older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called to one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he, the servant, said to him, Your brother has come home, and your, your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28. But he was angry. The brother was angry. He refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered back to his father, Look, these many years I served you. I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me. All that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, would you give us ears to hear? Would your Spirit give us eyes to see? Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our hearts to your truth, that we may come expectant not just to hear, but to receive Lord, I pray we would be careful how we would listen. Oh, let us have ears to hear and let us have tender hearts ready to respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first thing that I want you to see as we look at this text is the brother's position. So the, the, the older brother's position, verse 25 lays this out. It says, the older son was in the field, 
Uh, he came near and he drew to the house. And there's three things that I want us to see here. First of all, the, the older brother had a, had a position of privilege. We know that in that society, the, the younger brother had asked for um, what, what was due to him. It was a third of the estate. So two-thirds of the estate was for the older brother. And this was a, a, a way that they would take care of the family and be able to take it. He basically, he was set up, right? He would have everything that he would need. We know that the father had a large estate. He had servants, and, and, and so it was, a, it was a, a wealthy family by those days' standards. He had uh, a closeness to the father. He already was seen part of what the inheritance would be. He was a blessed man. He was an individual that, 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 that you would look at and say, he has it all, Right? He, 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 was, he, he didn't have to work for it. It was there. Now, it says that he worked hard. He, he brings that accusation. But he's a, he's a person of privilege. He's a, a productive person. He's in a, a position of productivity. It says the first thing that we see about this older brother is, is what? He's in the field. He's out doing the work is what our assumption can be. He's out doing the father's business. While the younger brother has been off living it up, the older brother stayed home and, and he kept up with the family business. He's been working. So far, this is all pretty good. He has a position of properness. By, by any stretch of the imagination, it, it seems so far that that he's doing everything right when we get to this point of the passage. He's, he's very concerned about keeping up the outward appearances, isn't he? he thinks of what, it, what he tells his father. I, I worked for you. I slaved for you. I was always here. I did everything. He worked really hard to hide the fact that his heart was rotten. He, he, he pretended that everything was okay on the outside. But in the inside, as we see, it was a mess. He didn't love the Father. He saw his relationship to the Father as a servant. What's interesting is Jesus tells this story is, again, who, who primarily is Jesus speaking about here? The scribes and the Pharisees, those who refuse to rejoice in what the Father is doing by calling sinners and tax collectors, those who refuse to rejoice in, in what God is doing by bringing people who have hardened lives and softening them and seeing them come repentant. Those are the, the, the main targets here as Jesus begins to explain this. And this explains the scribes and the Pharisees really well. They looked good to men. But as Jesus often says, they were rotten at the core. You know, the same thing can be true of any of us. You can make it look like you have it put together. You can be a, a good moral person. You can come to church. You, can, you, you, can, you, you don't cuss, drink, steal, or cheat. You, you've been through the baptistry. Perhaps you're a church member. Anyone who looks at you says, well, they've got it together. But just as Jesus could look at the heart of the Pharisees and know what was there, 
He can look within your heart and know that you are lost too. He can know that you are trying to please man, not God. You can fool me. You can fool all of us. But you won't fool Christ. Now, that's a hard saying. And I'm not trying to make everyone doubt their salvation. But what I am doing is I I want to be clear that salvation is in Christ alone. It is not in what we do. Salvation, the, the, the joy and the end and the hope of salvation is that you receive Christ. That you receive salvation. That you receive a relationship with the Father. Not that you get a crown. Not that you get things. I know many who seek to be Christians because they think that it's the path to the most successful life. They think that it's the path to health, wealth, and happiness. Our own Lord died on a cross with nothing to His name. Most of the apostles who He chose died with nothing in this world but all the glory of heaven. You see, we don't come to God because we think we're going to get what He has. Are you with me? We get God. That's the joy. I, I, I have to remind people sometimes because they, they, they don't want to be around the church. They don't want to be to serve, to do anything that would, that would really honor God in their life. But they say, I'm a Christian and I look forward to going to heaven. And it's like, you know what heaven's going to be like, right? There's gonna, the, the people in church that you don't want to be around, they're the ones there. <laughs> the, the worship that you don't want to do, That's what you're doing. The God that you don't want to serve, that's your activity. See, you can be religious. The older brother's religious. He wants the things of God. He wants the things of the Father. But he doesn't want a relationship with the Father. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in a garage makes you a car. Have you received the Father? Have you received forgiveness? Look at the brother's problems. The brother's problems. Begin reading in verse 25. And as he came, he drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and he asked what it might mean. And the servant said to him, Your brother came home and your father killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I served you. I never disobeyed your command. You never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. I love this. But this son of yours, right? who devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. The first thing that we see of his problems is that he has selfish motives. 
He has selfish motives. When the boy hears why there's a celebration, he's angry. He refuses to go to the party. His father comes out and and pleads with him. Notice the, the boy asks a servant, right? The son asks a servant what's going on. The father doesn't send a servant to go tell the son to come in. The father gets up and he goes to the boy goes to the son, just as when he saw the other son that had went away coming down the road, he goes out to meet him. So he goes out to this son. It's it's not that he had favoritism for one son or the other son. He loved both the sons. Only one wanted a relationship with him and one didn't. He reminds him of his service and he complains that he hasn't ever been recognized. He didn't even get a goat and this guy got a cap. See what I mean? Like it's hard for us to, this is a big deal. It's hard for us to kind of recognize uh, what, what's going on, you know. You, you, you threw him a Chuck E. Cheese party, and, and I, I don't know. I, I'm scraping the bottom here. But you get it? I mean, it's a big deal that he's thrown this celebration. It's a big deal. He's selfish. He didn't care that his brother had come home. He didn't care at all. He, he didn't care that this had pleased his father. He didn't care about the glory of the father and receiving the son and throwing a party. He didn't even really care about the father. He was there to get what he could. He saw his entire service as slavery. I've served you. I've slaved for you is literally what the the word could be translated here. He didn't serve the father out of love for the father. He did it for himself. And sadly, this is the same mentality, this selfish motive that can happen for many in the church. They don't rejoice when others get saved because they feel threatened. They don't get excited that the church is growing because they see their power and their position and and what they've always done being intruded on. They don't go about caring uh, that God's will is being done in the church because it, it, it's bringing in people that don't want to do what they want to do. They want accolades. They want pats on the back. They want glories and plaques. They're more concerned with a church building and a budget than the people in the church and what the resources can do for the glory of God. You see, it's easy to see people whose service is the church, not God. That's the picture of what Jesus is saying here. The Pharisees loved their religious system. They loved their religious accolades. They loved being the ones that that looked at and said, oh, they're so good, they're so great. But in their hearts, Jesus knew, and it was obvious that they were far from loving the Father. So we see that he has selfish motives. He also has a stubborn mindset. Look, look at this. Listen to how he talks to the father. The father comes out again, and, and, and the father comes out in a loving way. He doesn't come out rebuking the son. He, he, he comes out to him and he says, son, come to the party. Your brother, he's home. I'm, I'm so glad that he's home. I'm so glad that I have both of you boys again. Yeah, come in. We've, we've, we've got food. It's great. Look, everybody's having a good time. Come celebrate with us. The son's stubborn. 
He looks at him and says, why didn't you do this for me? That son of yours, he refuses to forgive. The son, the younger son didn't sin against the older brother. He sinned against the father, and the father has received him, and the father has restored him, and the father is celebrating with him. And all he can do is whine and complain. The third thing that we see here, I don't know if you know this word. It's a British word, a stroppy mouth. Have you ever heard stroppy? Okay. Um, It it means like a bad-tempered argument. Like, don't be stroppy, okay? See, look, you all learned something today. Um, And that's what he does. Notice how he speaks to the Father. This son of yours. And, And what's really interesting here is he... He, he adds details that he didn't know for sure, but he just assumed. He says, this son of yours that wasted all of your money on prostitutes. Well, where did he get that idea? I mean, he, he assumed it. He hadn't spoken to the brother, and the brother hadn't disclosed this. In fact, in the, in the story, it said that he, he lived recklessly beforehand. It didn't say exactly what had happened. But, but notice the, 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 the older son, he, he comes and he brings this accusation. And, and you know why he probably did? Because often what you see is when you see people that, that make these accusations and have this kind of heart, what they're revealing is, is they're jealous. He got to go and live wild. And I stayed here and I worked. What he's really saying is, I wish I could have done that too. This is often the case for people that are trying to earn their salvation. People who don't understand what grace is. People who don't rest in the grace of Jesus. But they, they try to impress the Father. They try to slave for the Father. They try, to, they try to obey everything that He says in a way to make Him love Him more. Now, now, now hear me out. I think if you're a genuine Christian, if you've been saved by faith, that there should be a desire in your heart to be obedient. There should be a a drive within you to want to please the Lord. And and there should be an urging and a gifting to serve Him. But if you think God needs you to get that done and you're his special gift, you've got it all wrong. If you think that, that God is, is perhaps like a, a father who wouldn't be pleased with you unless you did everything right, and then he says, okay, now I love you, and so you're trying and trying and trying to earn that love, you don't understand the father. You don't understand his love. God has never loved you any more than the day that Jesus was on the cross. The day that He saved you. Now your actions please the Lord. You can displease Him. But what I want you to hear is is my, my children, I don't love them because, especially when they were babies. Okay, let's go back. All right? You, you have a child and, and you have a baby child, you don't love it because it does great things for you. Anybody remember those days? We had a baby staying with us over the last week. Krista has mentioned multiple times to me, I'm glad we're out of that phase. And we could give that one back. 
You don't love your child because it does something for you. You love your child because it's your child. The Father loves you not because you can do something special for Him, but because He loves you. You see that? He speaks to the Father, and (laughs) I love it. He says, this son of yours. And the Father comes back and goes, your brother. (laughs) It reminds me of what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil uh, treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's a lot of truth there, isn't it? Our words reveal what's in our hearts. So we see his problems Look with me at the Father's petition. Look with me at how the the Father receives him and and speaks to him. Verses 28, the Father comes out to him. And then 31 and 32, he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. The, The Father, first of all, pleads with him. He goes out and he pleads with him. When it says, in the ESV, it says that he went and he entreated the boy to come. And that word means to come alongside, to comfort. That's the same word that's translated in comforter, speaking about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, that, that he is our comforter. He doesn't just come out to the boy and say, get in here. He comes out in a loving way. And says, come celebrate. Your brother's home. I'm, I'm so happy. In the midst of that kind of a reception, the older brother rejects the father. Friends, I want you to realize this. Whoever you are, whatever your background is, however you're relating to this message right now, I believe as the Word of God is spoken that God will speak to your heart, that His Spirit will convict you. I believe that for many of you there are areas and, and, and uh, things within your life that right now are in the back of your mind that are coming to the front of your mind. And I want you to know this. God is a loving God. He wants you to receive Him. He wants you to have fellowship with Him. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. It's not that He is rejecting you. It is that you are rejecting Him. Just like this father goes out, he comes through His Word and through His Spirit. The Father promises. He goes to the boy and He says, everything's yours. Is it about the money? Because the money, His is done. You have everything. I don't want it to be about the money. I just want you to love us. I want you to be a part of this family. I want you to receive your brother. I want you to have joy. Come, celebrate with us. The money doesn't matter.
He promises them everything that he could have. And yet he's still stubborn. He still rejects him. The last thing that we see is the father's priorities. He tells the older son that it was fitting or that it was right that they should have this celebration. The the older son is complaining, why did you do this for him? And he says, it's right. It's a good thing. The father shows that the lost son is an occasion for celebration. And so the, the point to the Pharisees that heard it that day and the point for us as we receive it that day today is this. There should be celebration. There should be rejoicing. There should not be accusation. There should be acceptance. There should be love. There should be inclusion. There should be a, an absolute... I don't know. We've got we to get a fattened calf. I don't know what we've got to do to do that. But we should have great joy for anyone no matter what they've done to us, no matter what they've done to others, if they come and genuinely come in repentance and ask the Lord to forgive them and come and be saved and come before the church, come and be baptized, come and live a life for Christ, they should not find rejection from God's people. They should find a loving acceptance and welcoming. We should celebrate. What a joyous thing it is to see someone who has no relationship with the Father, someone who has made all the mistakes of the prodigal son, someone who has wrecked their life, come by the drawing of the Holy Spirit, by receiving of the Word, and to give their life to Christ and to trust in Him. What a wonderful thing. Does that get you excited? It should get us excited. No matter who it is. No matter who it is. You know, it's interesting, if you've ever thought about this, there's no end to the story. We don't know what happened. I mean, you, you leave the story, and in this whole chapter, there's only one unhappy person. It's this older son. You know, the, the, the shepherd, he finds his sheep. He rejoices. His friends rejoice. The woman, she finds the coin. She rejoices. She throws a party. Her friends rejoice. The, the son comes home. The, the father rejoices. The servants rejoice. The son that came home is rejoicing. Everybody in this chapter is happy. Except for the one who refuses to accept the father's invitation. Friends, this passage, this whole chapter is a story about what genuine repentance looks like and about the hardness of heart of those who refuse the Father's love. You might say, well, I know I'm not perfect. You know, this last week we had... um, we, I, I, love, I love living here on the Space Coast and all of the space stuff that happens. This last week on Saturday, um, SpaceX was testing their, their, their capsule. I don't know all of the names of everything. Bob's not here to, to help coach me. There's all these different things. But they're testing one of them, and, um, a, a, and they, they reported that there was an anomaly, right? Did you see the video? The thing blowed up. Like... <laughs> It was not a non, like you use the word anomaly for like there was something unplugged. We had to go plug it in, okay? It blowed up. Friends, we're often like that. 
Oh, that sin's just an anomaly. I'm really a good person. That's not the way the son came back to the father. He came back to the father and he said, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. Would you receive me again? What wonderful stories are here. Friends, there's a story of your life as well. How will it end? Are you willing to come and to repent, to trust in Christ as your Savior, to follow Him, to have a relationship with the Father? Or do you want to rebel and stay far from Him? Or do you just want to pretend? You're really good. It's just an anomaly. Oh, that we would all see the invitation that the Father has. There is going to be a celebration in heaven. A fattened calf doesn't even begin to explain what's going to happen there. There's going to be a day when all of the redeemed of all time are gathered together and are celebrating. And I want you to know that right now, you are are like that son and the, the Father is pleading, saying, would you come? Would you come? Oh, that you would repent of your sin and trust in Christ and follow Him today. Would you bow with me? As we bow, I want to encourage you before we pray and close how Jesus starts this off. Salt is good, but if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either to the soil or the manure pile it's thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. Friends, has the Lord spoken to you today? Is there a step that you need to take? Perhaps you know that you need to be saved. You know that you have been a religious person but you have not truly believed. And today, you're ready to come and trust Christ as your Savior. Perhaps you know the next step in your life. You've done that. Your next step is to come and be baptized. I would invite you to to make that known, to, to show to the church and to show to others what Christ has done in you. And we want to celebrate that with you. We're actually going to have uh, baptism again next Sunday as uh, one individual wasn't able to come today. And so uh, we can do that. We want to see you take that next step. Perhaps you know that you need to serve. There's something that the Lord has placed on your heart. There's another decision. You need to become a member of this church. I I don't know what that is, but I do believe that as the Word of God is proclaimed and His Spirit is among us, that He is working in you. And whatever that step is, would you not allow the salt to be unsalty? Would you be doers, not just hearers? We're going to give you an opportunity to do that in a moment as we sing a song of invitation. Would you be willing to follow the Lord in whatever He's calling you to do today? Father, we thank You for Your Word. I pray right now, Father, for those here and those that hear my voice that are the older brother, They may be religious, but they don't have a relationship. Lord, would you call them to faith? Would they be willing to come and repent? 
Lord, I pray today that you would move all of us by your Spirit, that we might be closer to you. Help us to to fight our sin, to have genuine repentance, and to trust in you in faith. Lead us now in Jesus' name. Amen.